0: Extra Points is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, it must be 21 years or older. <laughs>
1: Welcome, Extra Points listeners, and congratulations on making it through yet another week. Good news. The weekend awaits with its enchanting promises of endless sports and free time that ends up with you screaming silently at some jerk in the Costco parking lot instead. Or maybe I'm just projecting. Either way, we know how hard you work. And while we hope listening to all our shows makes that time go a little faster, we don't want that to feel like work in and of itself. So we've had our producers pick out their favorite bits and put them together in a half hour supercut for you to sample. I know. I can't believe we have producers either. If you like something, check out the full episode the next week wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for supporting the network. And let me just say from the bottom of my heart as the co-founder that I sincerely hope your favorite team still loses to mine. Enjoy the shows.
0: We have two clips here from Minus 3 to start off this best. Uh, first clip coming from guest Neil Kulong discussing why Mike Tomlin probably won't be the Steelers head coach at the end of this season and Greg Rosenthal on the Eagles. Can they rebound after their back-to-back loss? I think also the thing that people ignore is, like, dude, do I just
2: go get one of them bright young uh, OCs out there? Well, because Ben Johnson uh the the lions oc is not moving down he's not going to make a lateral move down to pittsburgh to coach the steelers offense there you're you're not going to get ryan grubbs you're not going to pry him loose from the from uh, washington and the huskies to come and play oc for the steelers right i mean he's he's either going to take a head coaching gig or nothing bobby slowick it, down in houston is not moving up to pittsburgh to coach kenny pickett so you have to give them a head coaching gig i mean the the in fact I I say the Texans D'Amico Ryan's is sort of the anomaly. Look at the 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 this is the thing to me always is people get swept up in like they they got fire this guy and they got to move on from this guy. Like for whom? That's always the question. For what are you moving on? All the people in New England ah oh, they got to move on from Belichick for. What and for what situation? So what's the answer to that? And and also, you still didn't answer the question, too. I'm sorry, I'm because my brain's all over the place. This isn't on you, Kulong. But so what do you think is the next six weeks? Do you think it's Art2 and Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan, like, saying, like, this is what's best for us? And Mike, you're cool. Like, you want to move on. We're going to deal you to your location. Like, is that the sequence of events? I mean, how, how does that it- play
3: itself out? It's, it's hard to tell exactly just because it is so tight-lipped. It is so buttoned up. And and if anything that you can credit Mike Tomlin for, historically speaking in the NFL, I don't think a, a head coach has been better at controlling the message the way Mike Tomlin does. Uh, he's a master of it. High-level politician type of of spin. I don't want to act as, you know, like th- th- this is what he should do or anything. But example, um, you, you saw Deontay Johnson's situation. The media entered the post-game scrum for Tomlin, armed to the teeth, ready to write the column, just bashing Deontay Johnson within an inch of his life. What does Mike Tomlin do? T.J. Watt's the greatest defensive player in the world at this point. Watt didn't even play a great game. Why would he have brought that up then? It's to get people like me not writing about Deontay Johnson, but rather go with the, the pro jingoism that is TJ Watt and all his glory and everything about TJ Watt, get the focus on something else. He did that intentionally. That's a master. He is, is brilliant. When it comes to that, you don't want to lose that per se as a franchise. And at the same time, if you're really good at it, you're not going to reveal exactly what you're going to do. You're going to keep it on message for what you, you want everybody to see and say in here. Um, they could trade him if he wanted to go somewhere else i don't know whether he would the question here comes down to that this is always rumor you've heard one thing i've heard one thing everyone's you know that they're they're set in their their particular idea because somebody mentioned it once we don't know who ultimately is hiring who they're hiring but hypothetically let's just say art rooney is the one who ultimately hired matt canada art rooney is the one who made all of these decisions What if Tomlin says, you know what, this isn't working for me anymore. I had to fire this guy, despite the fact that my owner has never done this. I had to set history and more or less save Matt Canada from himself and from the public. I had to do all that. I want to pick the groceries if you're asking me to cook the meal. If you're not going to let me do that, I want to go somewhere that will. That's just it for me. I've done this for a long time. We've had a lot of success. I just want to go in a different direction now. He's, he's. You know he's breaking out. He wants to go solo. That's that's a possibility. On the other hand, what if it is Tomlin who hired everybody? Going back to what I had said before, the rhetorical question is: Is this working? Do you think this is working well? You know what's what's your what's your answer? How are you? How do you address this? How do you fix this? For me, if it is anything other than a complete overhaul, there's no reason Art Rooney should be satisfied with it. And if it's anything of taking power away from Mike Tomlin. As in, okay, your coaching hires didn't work. I'm going to have my own now. If it's that for Tomlin, I don't understand why he would stay. He doesn't need to. It's his market. He would absolutely be the top coach. Bobby Slowick, who you brought up, is is a genius in his own right. But for the Steelers to improve their offense, my opinion, they need a head coach. You're not going to get a high-level coordinator to come in, one, to fix the problems this team has on offense, and two, to, to be somebody who's brought in specifically to stay, they hired Todd Haley after getting assurances that he wasn't going to pursue another head coaching job. Not that he would have gotten one, but the, Todd Haley said it often. The only thing I want to do is run the offense and call plays. I don't want to be a head coach ever again. Very appealing to the Steelers. Mike Munchak said the exact same thing. Done with being a head coach. I just want to coach the offensive line. Steelers hired him five minutes after he got fired. It makes sense. So if you're going to bring in an offensive coordinator that you want to stick around in today's NFL, he needs to be your head coach. So is Tomlin standing in the way of that?
2: So like, does this line up? I guess that's what I'm getting at. If you buy the thing that the Steelers might move on and Tomlin would have a hand in that, or, you know, maybe it's his will. And maybe that's the motivating factor in all of it is that he wants to go somewhere else. Is the next move, you know, guy in his mid to late 30s, is it like, hey, Ben Johnson, you know, blank check. Here you go. Next 20 years. You see our our legacy with head coaches. The The next uh, couple of decades belong to you. Come fix our team. Is that the answer?
3: Well, I, I would say this, that the legacy is established at a, a completely different point in the NFL. When Mike Tomlin was hired, you could hit quarterbacks in the head. It's an instrumental part of the game now. We have to be part-time lawyers to discuss fines and punishment and everything. The culture has completely changed, not because of that. I'm just using that as an example. You can't just say because they've done this twice prior to this in the last 70 years that this is what they're going to do. We don't know. Dan Rooney hired Mike Tomlin. Okay. Dan Rooney hired Bill Cowher. We don't know what Art Rooney would do. You know, and I'm not saying that he will or he won't. It's just we don't have any precedent to say. Um, I will I say agree. this:
2: I, I get the monolith, the Rooney family, like yeah, the distinction it, between from art from from you know uh, from art to Dan was significant. So obviously, yes, these are different human beings. Just because they sir- share a surname doesn't mean right. they make the same decisions. But yes,
3: and the the the, the idea overall is, and I, I think you know people want to credit the Steelers for this. Every team wants to hire a coach who's going to be their coach for 30 years. Sure. You know, why would you not want that? Uh, Obviously it doesn't work out. And I, I feel even with the culture, the Steelers have, I don't think Mike Tomlin has been fireable often, if at all, since, since 2007. So they haven't had a need to make a move. I feel like now they're, they're at the precipice, they're at the edge. And right now, you know, you're at a point where you either leap off the edge of the cliff or you walk away from it you can't and sit at the edge forever
2: same thing goes uh for me with home field advantage most often in the 21st century the team that has home field advantage especially when only one team gets it that's the team to pick in mm. the afc on the nfc side of things i think the eagles probably are still going to end up getting it and that's not a small thing but where they're concerned I do think they legitimately have been exposed a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and I was really struck by Nick Bosa saying, because this happens once in a in a while, you hear a team say, well, we solved them. We, we, we gave you the, the game plan of how you stop Blank, and he said that in advance of the Cowboys game. We showed everybody how you stop Jalen Hurts. Hopefully the Cowboys will fly mm. it. Sure looked like they did. I don't know what it was. Do you have any insight on what it is that teams have figured out? Because it does take – our old pal Warren Sapp said that forever ago. That give a defensive coordinator enough time, they will eventually figure it out. It won't take them more than three months to eventually figure out what that offense is doing. What are what are the Eagles? Because I would not be Philadelphia ten days ago. Oh, they're they're going to the Super Bowl. They beat every good team they play. Now they're going. It, it they may end up with the number one seed, but if the Niners are on their way to them, how could you have any confidence? They just got doubled up at home there.
4: Right, and I, I think the Niners end up getting it. I know the Niners have the Ravens left on the schedule, but that game's at home. There are two tough games left there at home. I just have a hard time seeing anyone as a favorite against the Ravens. And everyone's saying, oh, the, the Eagles are kind of done with this brutal, tough part of the schedule. First of all, they've had five of those straight games, which I think does wear on you a little But They haven't had sure. any easy moments. And they're going to Seattle this week, who's like – Just played Dallas to the end, you know, was in that game against. It's not an easy game going to Seattle either. Wouldn't surprise me if they lose that one, too. In terms of Nick, what Nick Bosa said, you know, I think they haven't been able to run the ball consistently, and I think teams are gearing up a little bit to stop the run, which sounds counterintuitive when it's Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown uh, on the outside. But I think they're just making Hertz have to read through his progressions and keep winning down the field. And I, I I found I feel like an old football guy just being like, oh, they got to run the ball more. Cause I, I do feel like when they're at their best, it's more consistent in terms of their running game. And their running game has not been good for two months. And their back seven on defense to me is the much bigger issue. There was so much talk about the Eagles offense all last week, but it's a it's a lackluster defense. It's it's something like 29 30th in EPA over the last eight weeks. So it's the defense to me that's the bigger issue. Okay. They they keep track, because I wouldn't keep track of this. I had picked Jalen Hurts as the starter of the Eagles to win 26 straight times or 27 straight times. I just believe they were the best team always, whoever they were on the field. And they went 24 and three in those games, one of them being a Super Bowl loss that they, you know, had a chance at. And I've picked against them now for straight week because now when I watch them, they don't seem like and they, they won the mm. first two of those. They found a way to beat Kansas City in that game, which looks a little different now. And they, they found a way uh, to get another win in this stretch against what was it? Buffalo. When I didn't think they were the better team, but like they just don't look like the better team every week. They they look OK. And we've seen the way seasons go. You could absolutely see them losing this game, even against Seattle and coming into the playoffs as a five seed. And being the best version of the Eagles once we actually get to the playoffs, I will never forget. And I know this doesn't happen often, but I will never forget the Baltimore Ravens winning the Super Bowl after losing two straight games by 30 in weeks 15 and 16 against mediocre teams. Because like it, it doesn't even December sometimes doesn't totally matter. Like you just, so have to true, find, man. you just have to find a way to play your best once you get there.
2: I keep saying it. We want, we, we, we've convinced ourselves because we've been in football season now for so long. And as I always say, life is short, football season is short, but both also can feel awfully long for certain, uh, from certain perspectives too. And now we've decided we know everything. We know who should be the MVP, who the best teams are, but we don't know that. And by the way, as a reminder, remember when Carson Wentz broke his leg? That changed everything, except it didn't because they got uh, the, the football god smiled on them with Nick Foles, But ask the Oakland Raiders and Derek Carr when he broke his leg that year. Things still mm. are going to happen that are going to disrupt all the assumptions that we have between now and the end of the season, anyway.
0: Next up on The Best Of, Brandon Funston joined Toby Mergler on Trendy to discuss fantasy football and why not a lot of star players have been consistent and rosters are full of just replacement-level players.
1: Yeah, it is interesting, Brandon, because you are a dinosaur with all due respect. I mean, you as we said last time, you founded ESPN Fantasy back in the 90s. Um, like back then, before you started the trend and, and Rick Wolf and some others started those trends of making these tools available to the public, really all you had – was like some memories of box scores, maybe like, uh, you know, a, a, a reference guide, not like a fantasy guide, which is literally like, you know, some stats and then a depth chart. And like all these years later, we have a billion advanced statistics. We have all these premium products. Everybody's got access to all the information in the world. And are we back? who all that really matters is a depth chart. Like if we come all the way back, it's just like how much of a share is this guy to get? And everybody's going to average somewhere between 3.8 and 4.2 yards a carry. So give me the guys with the most carries and then add in some catches out of the backfield.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's the adage has always been the same. It's always been the same. Volume is King volume is, you know, getting the ball in your hands is job one that, that has never changed. But you know, that's why I always look at statistics and I'm like, who's, who's, You know, it can be air yards. It can be uh, yards after contact. Like, give me the list of the leaders. You know, if that list doesn't matter, then I don't care about it. You know, (laughs) what matters really is going to be volume. And, you know, somewhere there's a cross, there's a crossing of, a mediocre talent who gets 20 touches per game versus a great talent. What's the number he needs to, to best that guy who's getting 20. Is it 11 touches? You know, there is that there's that, you have to weigh that going into draft day, but it's a lot easier to know that your guys getting 20 and, and feel good about your bottom line there.
1: Well, it's it's interesting to hear that you say you think you're gonna target running back in the first round next year because that's a little bit of what I want to talk about. Like I think the league has tightened up so much, and some of it is injuries and concussion protocols and things like that, but uh just there seems to be more opportunity being spread to more players than when you know you and I were playing this in like the nineties and the two thousands. And so the clustering effect is so like tight right now, it's almost like where do you even Put your most valuable draft capital because after you get after a couple of positions, the idea that you know the RB twelve versus the RB twenty four, it's not that many. That's not that big a difference in points. And so I looked up some numbers. I'll just throw them at you and let, let you react. I threw out the top guy at each position. Uh, because, like, McCaffrey's in the league of his own. Tyreek's in the league of his own this year. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, is a little closer to Hurts, but still he's got about 20 points of separation. Uh, Kelsey's only – like, Kelsey actually didn't separate this year, but just to be consistent, I threw out the number one guy in each, in each uh, one. So if you go from quarterback, and assuming a 12-person league, going from QB2 to QB13, you move from uh, – in our league, in the League of Leagues, which is fairly standard scoring, half-point PPR – uh, it's 291 versus 217 at the quarterback position. So you get about a 70, you know, whatever that is, 74-point spread. Uh, running back, though, it's 226 to 161 after you threw out McCaffrey. But more interesting to me, Brandon, if you go from uh, 13 to 24, so your RB2 tier, it's only 159 to 131. Like, it's there's almost no separation whatsoever in the RB2 right. kind of category. You're
5: probably, th- you're probably seeing the – you know th- that trickle down is a, a very slow trickle into the 30s you know yeah with the running back position you get down to 131 with 24. you're probably not dropping that much over the next 10 running backs either
1: and it's similar in wide receiver once you fill out hill like from 2 to 13 is 235 to 167 and then um from whatever that is 14 to to 25 it's 166 to 138. And then tight end from one to or from two to 13 is 154 to 93. So like you start talking about like your, your round one and round two capital. And like that, when I looked at that and like, I've never been a draft a quarterback early type guy. Like, you know, this year I, in our league, like I sat around forever and then I took Dak Prescott and it came out aces for me. Um, but it
5: took a little while but, it, but it, 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 t- it
1: took a little while and Russell Wilson's is my handcuff wasn't doing me a whole lot of favors uh early in the season but like when I look at that the biggest Delta at your your main starting position is actually a quarterback so like is this starting to form an argument for allen or Hertz at the very top of you know round two, or round three, maybe even back into round one, or is it still like okay? I gotta roll the dice on the quarterback in the wide re- or sorry the running back and wide receiver, and you will know, let hurts and Allen go off the board. Hopefully, I'll get an advantage from the guys I take in the business. I could have taken them, and I'll still like my chances to win the league.
5: Yeah, I think it does. I think you could you could make that argument to put push them even you know into the back end of the first round. Um, you know they're getting touchdowns on the ground almost every week in addition to what they're doing through the air. But what, you know, I was, I would, I would do rest of season rankings for the athletic and and do some trade value charting. And what really came out of it is all the guys you mentioned that you threw out, like the value of the true difference makers is, it was hard for me to believe Christian McCaffrey, because it's like, you could almost just say, give me whatever five guys on your team you want for McCaffrey. And I'll just take four other guys in McCaffrey and and I've I've seen it play out in leagues where I have McCaffrey. It's like I'm just not losing. It's just yeah. a week in a week out consistency. But there's not a lot of those guys anymore. It's Tyree Kill. It's it's Christian McCaffrey. It's it's Allen and Hurts. It used to be Kelsey. It's not so much Kelsey this, you know anymore. But it was Justin Jefferson. You know, for a little while until. But that it was a very small group of people, and what what it's kind of done is said, hey, just empty the. Empty the bank on whatever it takes to get those guys because there is such a big field of just like replacement level players out there now that you can get by with those guys as long as you have that week in and week out consistency king.
1: That's the exact point, Brandon. Like in an auction league, first of all, you should all be playing auction leagues. But in an auction league, there's almost no cap on Tyreek and McCaffrey and in uh, the real, real difference makers. Because there's only really in my in my reptilian brain, uh, only really two ways to be highly competitive in fantasy football, and that is to get first round value from a late round pick, or to get first round value from a first round pick. <laughs> like you, you got to get one of those two things because if right, your first yeah. round pick like flails, you're probably screwed. And if you, you know, get a uh, first round value out of a 10th round pick, it probably didn't matter what you do in the first round. You're going to be competitive either way.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that we, you know, that's the whole theory behind the zero RB is that there's just so many, there's so many players that pop up throughout the year that went undrafted that can get you there. So if you could somehow, put those two together, you're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, if you can, if you can nail your first round pick and then be active early in the season and catch a Kyron Williams or someone like that, uh, you know, that's just the ticket.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think uh, in my memory, based on part of its injuries, part of it is just more variety around the league, uh, you know, talent, et cetera. I don't think a stars and scrubs approach has ever been more appropriate for an auction strategy no,
6: than right no. now.
1: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: We have another double header of clips here on Lemon Pepper Parlay. Martin Weiss and Mark Gunnels discuss the Los Angeles Chargers and why that franchise seems snake bit, and the Philadelphia Eagles are showing us that defensive and offensive coordinators do actually matter.
7: I was reading an article in the uh, in the Apple News. I forget what actual newspaper, maybe the Wall Street Journal, that came through my Apple News. And it was talking about how uh, divorced couples, right? Couples who split over 2020 and such in the last three or four years, a lot of them still live in the same house and are having to maneuver that aspect of, of, of being divorced and not wanting to be together, but having to share the same place because they can't afford to buy a new home, right? Or, or. If you know one party leaves the other yeah. party can't afford the mortgage by themselves because of where interest rates are I'm convinced that's the only reason Brandon Staley still has a job <laughs> The interest rates right now are too high inflation is too high for for the Chargers to fire him as a head coach and then hire in a new head coach now I'm convinced that's the only reason you, you don't this think he's falling off of a cliff. you don't think he's gone you don't think he's gone out the year why not now? They have fallen off a cliff. It's over. It's been over. And you just lost to the, like, I was in that little, uh, in your little Twitter spaces after that, uh, which game was that? Was it the Patriots? I don't remember what game it was, but I was saying, somebody asked me who I had in the AFC playoffs, and I said the Broncos, and people laughed at me. And I, part of the reason why, because I had them going 2-0 and against the Chargers because they're a better football team than the Chargers are right now. And it was put on paper and put on tape. And now Justin Herbert's done for the year.
0: Yeah, it's bad. It really is. Uh, unfortunately for me as a Chiefs fan, they're going to pre- have a pretty good pick, but they might not, they might not win another game. They might not win a game, man. And there's no reason why they shouldn't go get one of these receivers that was coming out this year. And, And not a Quentin Johnston type of receiver. I'm talking about should have got like a Zay Flowers or Jordan
7: Addison, a guy that actually has some speed and some some pop. Uh, But, yeah, they're, they're bad, man. They really are. Yeah, I think we're starting to see, and we see it all the time, and it's impacting both Super Bowl representatives of the AFC and the NFC of last year. Who your coordinators are really matters. It really does. It is a major impact, and I wasn't even trying to take a shot. It's just honest. Like you can look at the Washington's offense, and you tell me that that Kansas City couldn't use a little bit of that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like you got Sam Howell looking like a you know. If you watch the games, you'll see that's not true. But if you look at the stats, you'll be like, "Wow, that's remarkable." <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, Eric, beyond me that is. But I think especially when you look at the way the Colts have been playing this year with Shane Steichen at the helm. And not that Jonathan Gannon has been a world beater in Arizona, but they have some wins on teams that you wouldn't expect them to have beaten, right? Arizona does when Dallas if, and uh if Kyler there all year, they're in that wild card mix right now. They're in I the I think hunt. so. I think so too. And I think also the the lesson to me is that the class of the NFC over the last few years, even though they haven't necessarily paid it off, has been the 49ers, right? you had tampa pop up with tom brady you had uh stafford and the rams pop up but really consistently it's been the 49ers you're gonna have to go through san francisco if you want to go ahead and make it to the championship game and then philly obviously knocked brock Purdy out the game probably would have had i want to say a, a completely different outcome but it wouldn't have been a blowout right so i think you really have to consider sean desai brian johnson and see are they going to be able to figure this out
0: Next up on waiver wired, myself and Jen Piacente discussed Patrick Mahomes' outburst after the Kadarius-Tony offsides call. And will this hurt the Chiefs, or will they be able to rebound versus the New England Patriots?
8: We have to talk, of course, about Patrick Mahomes. I know we talked about Patrick Mahomes last week, but I feel like there's so much more to say about our Mahomes this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, first off, I, it's probably been talked about to death, but the whole offsides on Kadarius-Tony call and uh, the way that Mahomes behaved on the sideline. Does it bother you? Does it change the way you feel about Mahomes?
0: Yeah, we have to weigh in this. That's like the beginning of the season with the Aaron Rodgers injury. It's like everyone must weigh right. in. We have to do. Um I I think Mahomes was livid. Um because it's more to do. And any and Andy Reid spoke up too, which he never really does. And it's more about the state of officiating in the league overall. I mean, we just heard right. Troy Aikman on my night it football away into them. Super inconsistent. And he just like you never want to see a call kind of change the outcome of a game at the end of a game. Um, he also, like, you know, people point out too that Von Miller was offsides clearly, uh, on that final drive. I'm not sure if it was the final player or not, but he was offsides as well. So they miss stuff, they call that. Um, Kadarius Tony was clearly offsides. There is no debating that whatsoever. So if Mahomes' only thing was he wasn't offsides, like he's wrong there. If his real issue is real, uh, you know, he's the ax to grind over, calling, you know, ticky-tack stuff late in the game, I, I kind of understand him, but... Tony, I, I think we have the footage now. He never actually checked with the line official if he was lined up correctly, which if you do and you go over to the official and you give a thumbs up, thumbs down, they'll tell you like, no, you're offside. You're going to get the call. They'll move back. He, did, he never did that. So um, Mahomes, if that's like his leg to stand, on, not really working. But I do understand his frustration with the inconsistent calls we've seen uh, throughout the league um, this year. So uh, he's probably wrong to go crazy, but um, the call is right. I mean, that's that's like there's no way around that.
8: So I agree that he was wrong to go crazy, obviously. And when I was watching the game, I saw him going off. And I was like, whoa, he is really mad. I was like, finally, he's yelling at his receivers because nothing is fixing them. And then I found out later he was yelling at the refs. And that's what bugged me. Because I think Patrick Mahomes has gone too far as far as falling on the sword for the other things that are wrong with their team. Mm -hmm. I understand he's trying to be a leader and all of those things that make him, you know, a great quarterback, but there's a point where the great quarterbacks such as, you know, Aaron Rodgers, go to the receivers. Tom Brady would do this and be like, you better straighten this up. And the fact that he went to blaming the refs instead of just yelling at Kadarius Tony bothered me. And I, again, as I said, I understand that that's been his method. Like, Oh no, the receivers are great. He always says that week after week, but if someone doesn't light a fire under their butts, they're never going to get better. And Kadarius Tony is known for causing problems. And you know, he was a giant.
9: Mm-hmm. Right?
8: So like, this should be a learning moment. But as far as like, overall, how I feel about Mahomes, <laughs> I think people were too rough on Mahomes. Look, he was mad. He was upset. I think he took his frustration out on the wrong people, though he does have a point about the general officiating. I agree about that. Absolutely. It has been inconsistent to be kind. That's putting it kindly but we need to let the guy have a break. Okay. Like let him have a break. I I do. I have always hated how he's constantly like, if somebody touches him, he's like calling for a penalty. Like it's a little wussy, Mm -hmm. but he's also doing it because he can probably get it and other quarterbacks get it. So he just wants it to be even is my thought. And it is true that it does seem like there were some tough calls that went against the chiefs recently. And those tough calls, unfortunately, have affected our fantasy teams and his fantasy output. And that's what brings me to our next topic, Eddie. He's got the Patriots this week, okay? Mm -hmm. So Patrick Mahomes is the QB8 for the season. You know, not bad. However, as we discussed last week, based on where you took him, based on his draft capital, it's disappointing. So let me tell you who's ahead of him. Dak Prescott is the QB three. Brock Purdy is the QB five. CJ Stroud is the QB six. And Sam Howell is the QB seven. He has more fantasy points than Patrick Mahomes. Now, of course, by contrast, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts are one and two just as they were drafted. So they paid off. But across the past six games, he's only delivered more than 20 fantasy points once. Now, I don't actually think that his skills have declined whether it's the receivers, whether it's the system, whether it's the refs, I don't think it really matters. What we got to talk about this week is, can you start Patrick Mahomes with confidence? Cause it is no longer like, okay, if I lose this week, I have another week to make up for it. This is it. You have to win out. It's sudden death. How confident are you starting Patrick Mahomes this weekend versus the Patriots who've allowed like the sixth fewest points to opposing quarterbacks this year?
0: Yep, yeah, this is a massive week for Mahomes to the Chiefs offense and the just the Chiefs in general. Um you know the the Patriots coming off of a Thursday night victory over the Steelers which we thought was going to be an ugly game going to go under, that went over. Uh Belly zappy, looked mm-hmm. like a, a, a fine quarterback better than Mac Jones has played. Um and then you have the Chiefs team which we just talked about suffering that brutal loss uh to the Bills. So it's a really good barometer to see how they'll be, how he'll be the rest of the way. Uh, I believe like the the Patriots' defense is only going to have like 14 touchdown passes the entire season, like a very good unit. And that's and things are not going well right now in New England, like with the rumors, like Belichick's gone; it's like his fate is sealed. Um, this has to be a get right game, not only for Mahomes but for for Travis Kelsey too. And he was fine last week, but he hasn't scored since I believe November 20th versus the Eagles. So um, I you you for a game. Like, you need to see Mahomes have a three touchdown performance. Like, you need yeah, to, like, 300 yards. Like, you, if you see that, you go, okay, like, Patty was pissed off, like, chip on his shoulder, Um, had his outburst, like we just discussed, and they're going to move on from it. And they're going to be fine the rest of the way. If this is like a 17, 14 game and he has, like, you know, barely over 200 uh, passing yards, another interception, Kelsey doesn't score it's not it, I'm not blaming Patrick Mahomes, but it's certainly a Chiefs front office problem where they did not put the proper players around him this kind of reminds me of like the Packers with Aaron Rodgers like where they just did not draft a single first round offensive player to help him that's kind of what's coming on here and it, again we talked about this last week Kelsey like father time hits everyone like he he's slowing down a bit teams are kind of figuring him out his brains probably elsewhere other stuff going on they should have done right by him put more talent around him and I, I think there has to be some kind of adjustment made but personally I am picking the Chiefs to win I think Mahomes will have a get right game but this is massive like this is paramount for him so uh, if he struggles in this one then you 100% have cost for concern for your next playoff rounds and let's stop down for a quick break here
9: we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens you grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely we've all been there
0: And rounding out the best of on Extra Points, Dave Damashek and Sarah Tiana were joined by comedian John Hume, and they discussed would they rather be an NFL head coach or a college football head coach?
2: I personally would never want to go. I wouldn't want to spend my dreary winters going into the living rooms of 17-year-olds and eating whatever pita or salsa that their mom puts out and pretending I like it so I can convince their kid to come and play for me for the next three or four years, right? That that seems... uh, absolutely unappealing to me. How say you on that one, Hume, would you like to be a college NFL, a college head coach or an NFL head coach? They both have their virtues. They both have their, uh, their bad spots.
9: Uh, well, first off the Michigan people will never admit Harbaugh's <laughs> leaving. They, they <laughs> yeah. of any fan base. They are the most about, avi- I mean, this, you uh, might be tapping into like an unconscious thing that he's, mm-hmm. he's trying to build, but like, they will never say out loud that Har- Harbaugh's leaving, but I uh, ultimately, I think I think the NFL it's it's like fascinating the way uh, that like like the Saban versus the Belichick, how it's like, okay, you're the best in the world at this. Like um, just like like the skill set of like, um, you know, convincing millionaires to 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 give it their all versus like, you know, holding uh, holding these kids. I, I think I would lean towards lean towards the NFL because I I, um, I I respect that it's more of an equal exchange. It's like more, it's like, we're, we're being open about it. It's like a employer employee relationship. It's like the college. There's always this undertone of like, well, you know, if you, uh, if you're, if you're 40 gets above five seconds, it's like, there goes your education. (laughs) Like, sorry, (laughs) sorry. You can't, uh, you have to drop out of business school. Um, Yeah like the idea of them dangling, dangling it over, like to be a coach in that position, I would much rather be like, look, I know the owner paid you $30 million, but now we're, now we're in this together. Like let's, let's work together and, uh, and bring the be- uh, the best out of both of each other. Versus, I,
2: I agree with that largely. You're more likely to get fired quickly in the NFL. So that would be yeah. one deterrent for that. But Tiana, like for me, it would all pivot off of like, if, if you're worth $30 million, you certainly ain't going to spend two seconds listening to a dope like Dave Damashek, even if he is, even if his title says head coach, you're still going to be like, you're a goober and I don't have to listen to you because I'm a grown man. And I could, uh, I could kill you in 1.2 seconds. I think I would like the leverage applied as to the student athletes. They'd have to listen to me. I'd be like, you know, I'd be like their teacher. You don't like it or not. I'm going to send you the detention, kid. I'll say you, Tiana.
10: For me, it's only NFL. I would only want NFL. I would not, I don't want to have any part of recruiting. I think recruiting is the hardest thing uh, to do. I mean, it's like being a, you know, it's the opposite of being a politician. Like politicians never really do anything because they spend so much time fundraising to get reelected. It's like, Mm. to me, so many of these coaches have to spend so much time and energy recruiting and getting kids to play for them that, coaching them and winning is, you know, it's why the big schools always tend to do it because, you know, their name allows the recruiting to happen. It's, it's easier for big schools to recruit because they have a better reputation. And so I just don't want any part of that in the NFL. I think it becomes less about, um, Oh, I make more money than you. I'm an offensive lineman and you'll, you know, I make 15 a year and you make eight. I think, I think in the NFL, it becomes more about motivating. You know, that's why Dan Campbell to me is like this great coach because, you know, he's out there. He's one of them. He played, you know, and I think these players have a lot of respect for guys who've played or who've been in the league for a long time. And um, and if you if we don't respect each other, you can just go to another team and bouncing around to all these different teams does not make you a great player.